my wife, my wife and I watched that uh, last week, and um, we were watching. That. I said, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And she said, "I don't know. That's that's pretty deep." <laughs> you know, I think it was interesting for me to uh, process through that. I I watched that uh, both uh, from the perspective as a child, and so I know what it means to be a son and to have a uh, mom that you appreciate. You kind of watch them go through those stages, and then I also know what it's like to be a to be a parent. I've watched my wife go through that with our kids. And I think um, you watch something like that, and, and, and there's some things that you look at and you think, oh, wow, I, I can relate to that. And, you know, sometimes you can connect. Then there's sometimes you watch things like that and you think, well, you know, I wish I had that. And uh, but I'm grateful for uh, what I did have. And so I think everybody, you know, approaches Mother's Day differently. And I think there are sometimes there's, uh, you know, there's women that um, aren't married yet and don't have kids, and so they can't connect with it, you know, in full. They can from a daughter's perspective then, uh, you know, I think sometimes we watch those things, and, uh, you know, for me, my heart always goes out to uh, the single moms that are raising kids. I don't, you know, God has a special place in his heart, I think, for single moms, and I think there's some women that aren't able to have children, or uh, God forbid, you know, there's women that have lost children, and I can't imagine anything more painful than losing a child, and so I think we come to Mother's Day, and everybody approaches it a little bit differently, and I think, uh, you know, in general, uh, we all have had a mom at one point. Sometimes we, uh, uh, you, maybe you are, your mom's already passed away and gone to be with the Lord, or maybe she's still present with you now. So we all have had a mom at some point. And so, uh, you know, we come together to celebrate Mother's Day because I think, you know, Mother's Day is a calling. You know, today we're going to be looking at clarifying God's calling uh, for our lives, you know, his, clarifying his purposes for our lives. And, and, you know, the Bible says is that there's, there's no accidents. You know, before you were formed in the womb, God says he knew you. And so, you know, God in his infinite wisdom has his plan for us. And then as parents, those children don't really belong to us. We're stewards. And so, you know, a woman conceives a child and has a baby. And uh, it's, it's interesting for me to think about the fact that God has that all planned out. There's no accidents uh, from God's perspective. And so as you think about the calling of motherhood, there's a purpose in that. You know, we all uh, can't relate to that. You know, I'm a guy. And so, um, you know, I'm not a mom. <laughs> And so when you come to Mother's Day, I think it's an opportunity for me to, to celebrate my mom and to uh, encourage and uh, celebrate my wife. And so this morning, you know, if you're a mom, uh, we hope that you are encouraged, and uh, we're glad you're with us this morning. In fact, if you are a mom, uh, we want to celebrate that this morning. Let's just give our moms a round of applause, because they need it. <laughs> I was watching some videos uh, a while back of me when I was a kid, and I just want to applaud my mom. <laughs> Ooh, I was a handful. You know, so, uh, you know, I hope that you feel special today. You know, it's Mother's Day. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And so, but even if you're not a mom, God's got a plan and a purpose for you, too. That's what we want to look at today. today. God's plan and his purpose for us. And how do we clarify that? And so, you know, how do you identify yourself? You, know, you might be a mom. You might be a dad. You might be a single, married. Maybe you're a business owner. You're an employee or an employer. Uh, you've got sons. Maybe son, a daughter, a teacher, you know, how do you identify uh, yourself this morning? Everyone has a purpose for being here. God doesn't create accidents, and so we all have a, a plan and a purpose for our lives, and you know, we talk a lot about God's purpose for our life, but sometimes I think it's important to talk about clarifying that purpose. You know, we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God does have a plan for us. We've been created in Christ Jesus to do good works, and so in one sense, we do have a plan, we do have a purpose, but there's periods in our lives where we have to go through and we have to clarify what that purpose is. 
you know, my, uh, my wife and I, as I was kind of processing through Mother's Day, it's a special Mother's Day for us. We've got our two graduating seniors. They're going off to college. And so now all four of our kids are going to be uh, on, they're all adults. They're all you know, making life for their, on their own now. And so Carol and I are looking at each other going, okay, well, what next? <laughs> there's a lot of opportunities in there, so there's a need for clarification. You know, I, I, have, I am so grateful for those uh, people at Springbrook that call Springbrook Church their home that have been an example to me. You know, I think of um, the Zalettis or the Billings or some of the, you know, the Hermans, the Norns. I think of some of the people that have gone before me and are just doing life well now and modeling for me, giving me a vision for what it could look like for Carolyn and I as well. And so, you know, we go through periods of life where we need to, to clarify our purpose. And so this morning we're going to look at how do we clarify our purpose in life? How do we clarify God's purpose for our life? We're going to be looking at the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is uh, go just straight to the center of your Bible if you brought one. Uh, go right to the center and then you can just go right uh, probably about six, seven chapters. It's seven books to the right of the book of Psalms. And so if you want to turn with Ezekiel to me, with me. We're going to be looking at some passages out of the first and second chapters. Prophet Ezekiel has a clarifying moment in his life. It's on January 5th, 593 B.C. when he was 30 years old. God gave Ezekiel clarity of purpose. You know, have you ever had one of those moments you know, where God just gives you clarity of purpose? You know, they're so powerful when God just gives you that clarity. I had one of those when I was 35 years old. It was right after my birthday. It was on June 1996. I wish I could remember the exact date. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I shot straight up out of bed, and God gave me clarity of purpose, which is really one of the reasons why I'm actually in ministry today. I'm going to tell you about that in just a little bit, but before I do, I want to look at three lessons that we can learn from Ezekiel on how we can have clarity for God's purpose in our life. Ezekiel was born and raised in uh, Judah. Uh, he was a man. Uh, he's 30 years old. He's preparing to be a priest. And the Babylonians come down because of the Israelites' disobedience. And they swoop up all the Israelites and they bring them into captivity in Babylonia. So they do that three times. And Ezekiel gets swept up in the second attack with about 10,000 other Israelites. The prophet Jeremiah is still down in Judah at this time. And he is teaching and preaching and 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 ministering to the people in Judah. And in the meantime, Ezekiel's brought up into Babylonia. And so he's up there, and he's, he's preaching, he's teaching, he's ministering to all these people that have been brought into captivity in uh, Babylonia. And so uh, at the beginning of chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1, you kind of get a sense of what his call looks like. So let's just go ahead and uh, take a moment to read that. It says, In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kibar River, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiachin, with the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, by the Kabar River, in the land of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was upon him. And so God, in this, I think God, just in his infinite wisdom, picks this date, this time, to place a call on Ezekiel's life. You know, it's funny because I look at that passage and I happen to think about, you know, I think if they had a watch during those times, Ezekiel would actually give you the exact time that this call happened. But he goes on to talk about these visions. And uh, down beginning in uh, verse 24, um, he continues writing. He says this. He's talking about visions of creatures. And he says in verse 24, when the creatures were moving, 
that I'm seeing in these visions, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of rushing waters, like the voice of the Almighty, the tumult of an army. Of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then came a voice from the expanse over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the expanse over their heads were what looked like a throne of sapphire. High above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw from that what appeared to be his waist up. He looked like glowing metal as if full of fire. And from down, he looked like fire. Brilliant light surrounded him. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. And then he says uh, right there in verse 20, This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down and heard the voice of the Lord speaking to me. And so Ezekiel, as he moves on into chapter 2, says, He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet. I'm going to speak to you. But I want to stop there for a second because what happens with Ezekiel here is he comes into this encounter with God. And so he's, he's in a position to hear from God, and God speaks to him and gives him this clarity of thought. And so look with me again at verse uh, 28, verses uh, chapter 2. It's on your outline. Uh, if you've got that, you can go ahead and take that. It's a green insert. Put that verse up for me if you would. It says this. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking to me. He said, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. You see, Ezekiel... When the Lord appeared, I think if that had been me, I would think I would have gone, wow, where's my cell phone? i got to get a picture of this. This is awesome. Or I think, you know, sometimes, you know, we get into the, the presence of God, and it's like, you know, what is that? But, but Ezekiel in this, in this passage is in a place where he's in a position to listen for God. He's experiencing brokenness. He's in the land of exile, and he's in a point where he's able to listen to God. See, if we're going to know God's purpose for our life, it needs to begin by being in a position where we can listen for God. I mean, we're so busy. We're running around. We're trying to do our devotions. We're listening in the car. We're doing our radio. We're, I mean, we are so busy. It can be difficult to stop and be in a position to listen for the Lord. And so Ezekiel, in his place, you know, he's able to listen. He's in exile. Have you ever been in exile? Have you ever been in a place where you're just stuck? And, uh, man, you have, no, you have no other option but to say, okay, God, I'm going to listen to you. That's where Ezekiel is. He's in a position to listen to God. And as a result of that, God speaks to him. And when God shows up, he does this amazing thing. He shows up, and the glory of the Lord surrounds Ezekiel, and it says he falls to the ground. And so I love that imagery of falling face down to the ground. And I was thinking, you know, what would that look like? You know, if God showed up, what would we do? You know, we look for Ezekiel, something like this. I know this is awkward. But it would look something like God appears and he, and he falls, and I don't want to fall because I don't want to fall on my face. But, you know, he falls to the ground, and he's laying on the ground, you know, something like this, just like I'm laying on the stage. And so he's laying there, and I tell you what, this is really awkward. <laughs> I know it's awkward for you probably looking at this, but uh, this is an awkward position to be. We don't get here by accident. You know, it is, uh, it's so easy for us to be running around during the day and uh, trying to do so many things that we don't stop to get in a position like Ezekiel to listen to the Lord. You know, when you're driving in the car and you're listening to the Bible online, that is, that is great. That is important. We hear from God a lot. You know, we can do devotions in the morning before we go to work. We can stop during the day and we can pray. Um, but I tell you, there's something about stopping 
and just being quiet and being still like this. As awkward as it is, there's something about it. So there's a difference between hearing from somebody and listening. I came back from the uh, men's retreat last weekend, and uh, I've got my sleeping bag still sitting on the, on the couch in the living room. Uh, don't ask me why. And so uh, Carolyn walks by uh, yesterday. She says to me, she said, would you please take your sleeping bag um, down to the basement for me? And so I said, yeah. I mean, I heard her, right? I heard her, and uh, but I'm on my way to go do something else. That's why it's been sitting there for the last week, because this last week has just been nuts for me. And so I heard her. I said, yeah, I'll take it down just a little bit. And as I walked by the bag, you know, God just prompted me. He gave me this verse, because I've been looking at this. You know, God speaks to me first. <laughs> and so I've been looking at this passage, and I thought, wow, I heard her, but I'm not listening. And so as I stopped for a second, because when she said that to me, she was expecting me to do it. And so listening uh, is a two-step process. It's the hearing, but it's also the acting. And so there's a difference between hearing and listening. And so when, when Ezekiel sees God and he comes into God's presence, he falls face down on, and, and he's in a position to listen to God. There's no other distractions. There's nothing better than when you're doing your devotion and you have no distractions around you. And you can just get into God's presence. And if we're going to be in a position to listen, you know, we've got to stop and we have to we have to wait on God. And we have to we have to slow ourselves down. We have to fall face before God and just say, God, you know, what is it that you have for me? And that's difficult for us to do. We have to uh, we have to be able to put things aside, <laughs> things aside and just get quiet before God. You know, this past week has just been, I came off of the men's retreat. I've been busy this week, and I just like, this whole week has just been so hard for me. And, and, so, and so I got off on myself uh, yesterday. I just got quiet. I thought, you know, man, I just, I, I need to do this more often. I just get quiet before God. So I'm in a position to listen to Him. You see, we all hear God. We hear God on the radio. You're hearing God, you know, as we're going to look at these passages, God speaks through these passages. But, you know, if we're going to actually listen to God, we have to be in a position to, to stop. You had to give something up today to be here. And so you're, you're sitting here, you're captive before God and what he has for you this morning. So you have to wait. But the other thing that you have to do is you have to act. You know, if we're going to listen to God, it's not just hearing, but it's about taking action. And these things are just so difficult. We have so many responsibilities. Our lives are so packed. And so when we, when we need to take action on something, it could be difficult because our calendars are just packed. You know, summer's coming. Our calendar is already half full, and summer is not even here. You know, we have to stop and listen and be in a position to listen for God. You know, look what Jesus says to his disciples in Mark chapter 1, in verse 17. Jesus comes upon the disciples, and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. At once, they leave their nets and they follow him. Now, they could have said, well, you know, let me finish this first. Or, hey, let me catch up with you on Sunday. <laughs> you know, Jesus hits them right where they're at, and they stop and they turn and they hear him. But then I love the next part. At once, they left their nets and followed him. I love the words at once. You know, underline that word. That's a great passage. You know, if we're going to be in a position to listen to God, you know, we have to not only hear him, but we have to be obedient. We have to act. And there's a place for you to write that down. You know, make... Make time to listen for God. Take action when God calls. And so we need to be available and in a position um, to listen. The disciples made time, and uh, you know they could have done a hundred other things, but they stopped and they listened to God and they took action. 
And so this morning, as you think about clarifying God's purpose for your life, you know, it begins by being in a position to listen. And so this morning, you might be sitting here and you're thinking, okay, well, what is God's purpose for my life? Some people come in and, and they really don't know what God's purpose is for their life. So some people question that. As you think about your life, some people might be saying, well, you know, I don't have any questions for, you know, at this point. You know, if you're 100% certain of God's purpose for your life, uh, then you can go home. <laughs> You know, because and there's a sense that, but pick up the CD because you're going to need it later. <laughs> you know, there's a sense that, um, you know, we all have to stop and, and clarify our purpose. There's, there's different life changes. There's things that happen in our life that, that we have to stop and we have to reflect and we have to ponder and we have to clarify. And it begins by listening to God like Ezekiel did. So that was the first lesson that we learned uh, from Ezekiel as we, as we look at that passage. And I think the second lesson that we see in his life is that we need to rely on God's leading. We need to rely on God's leading. You know, there was an appearance, uh, you know, God has appeared to Ezekiel, and uh, he's in a position to listen, but then he, he, he acts. He actually moves on, on what he does. He does something with what God's calling to do. He, he's not only listening, but he's, uh, he's acting. And so, you know, I think there's, there's, there's so many things that work out against us that you know, we, we, we hear it and we listen to it, but sometimes we just don't trust God. You know, sometimes we need, to, we need to just trust God. You know, when I was lying on that stage, I was thinking, okay, what should I say? <laughs> okay, what am I going to do next? When am I going to get up? You know, I'm sitting here playing all this through in my mind. And, you know, in one sense, we, we can get down in life and we can get stuck. We don't know what the next step is. You know, have you ever been stuck? <laughs> have you ever been in a place where you're like, oh, man, how did I get here? What am I, what am I going to do next? You know, Ezekiel's in exile. He's stuck. I'm sure he is filled with uncertainty. You ever felt like that, uncertain? You know, it happens to uh, me uh, more frequently than I'd like to admit when I'm thinking, oh, man, God, what what are you doing in this? You know, there was a period almost 12 years ago my family and I stepped out in faith to to plant a Meadowland church up in Johnsburg, and we had sold our house. Our stuff was in storage, and we were bouncing around from house to house, and and man, that was such a scary time for me because I had no idea what the future was going to look like. And in my desperation one day, I got off to be in a position to listen for God. I think, man, I need to get some quiet time. <laughs> and I started reading through this passage, and this is what I found. It, was, it comes from Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 2. It's the next verse. It says this. There it is. Verse 2. There we go. God says to Ezekiel, as he spoke, as God is speaking, the Spirit came into him and raised him up to his feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And so Ezekiel's in a position to lead for God, and then God's Spirit enters into him, raises to him his feet, and, and gives him the power to do what he needs to do. I, you know, I love this passage because as Ezekiel's thinking about what's next, in one sense, his next step is to rely on the Spirit of God to raise him to his feet and help him to do what he needs to do. You know, we don't have the strength and the ability to do things on our own. You know, we can trust and rely on God's leading or we can do things in our own strength. God doesn't call you to do something that he is not going to give you the strength to do. He doesn't call you to do something on your own. If you're doing it on your own, you know, if you're doing it on your own, you're doing it alone. That's actually a great phrase. If you're doing it alone, you are doing it on your own. And God has not called you to do that. Just like Ezekiel. He gives Ezekiel 
the words. He tells him what he's going to do, and then he says, okay, now stand. His spirit enters into him, and he raises him up to his feet. I absolutely love that passage. You know, if you have your Bibles open, let's look at see what Ezekiel says uh, back beginning in verse 3. Go down to uh, verse 3 in Ezekiel. Son of man, I'm sending you, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me, and their fathers have been have rebelled against me. They have been in revolt against me since this very day. The people to whom I'm sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen to you or fail to listen to you, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And then in verse 6, he says this, and this is on your outline as well. It says, And you, son of man, don't be afraid of them or their words. Don't be afraid. Through the briars and the thorns are all around you. You live among scorpions. Don't be afraid of what they say or terrified by them. They are rebellious house. And so God gives Ezekiel this call. He was in a position to listen. And then God calls him to rely on him and trust him to do what he's called him to do. And so God doesn't call you to do things that you can do in your own strength. God's Spirit enters into Ezekiel, and then Ezekiel's responsibility is to rely on God's promises and to step out to do what he can do. And so we rely on God for all that he's called us to do. You don't have to worry about doing this by yourself. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God is sending you. Don't be afraid because God's Spirit is in you. God's going to give you everything that you need to accomplish what he's called you to. You know, I talk to a lot of people about small groups. And sometimes, you know, I'll talk to them about, hey, are you interested in hosting? And, and so there's a fear people have about hosting small groups. And you know what? You can't do a small group by yourself. But you know what? If God's calling you to do that, you can do it. God's going to give you everything you need to do to be a, a great small group host and leader. And there's some of you that need to be small group leaders. You can do it. You don't need to be afraid. The Spirit of the God is going to enter into you as you rely on Him and trust Him. You know, we've only got half of the people at Springbrook that are involved or connected to a small group in any way. Small groups are an important part of how we do life together. A lot of people, I was talking to somebody, we had a small group experience gathering a couple weeks ago, and after the experience was over, it was only an hour and a half, I was talking to one of the guys there, and he said, well, you know, that wasn't that bad. That wasn't all that painful. I said, yeah. I said, you're my spokesman. Come on. There's nothing to be afraid about small groups, and so... Get connected to a small group. You know, if you're not involved in a small group right now, I want to encourage you, there is nothing to be afraid of. Small groups are a great part of how we experience life. You know, as I look at our ministries at Springbrook, we have over 100 different places for people to serve. You can begin serving next week at Springbrook. And some of you just need to jump in and use the gifts that God's given you uh, to start serving. The church is the bride of Christ. It is a privilege and a pleasure and a joy to be able to serve alongside of other people. And so some of you might just need to jump in and get involved in the ministry. Don't be afraid. You know, we're a church family. And church families, you know, they stick together. They're committed to, they're committed to one another. And, and some of you just need to get committed to the body of Christ and whatever that looks like for you. We've been created to be in community together. And there's nothing to be afraid when we understand that our identity is in Christ. He is the head of the church. All we have to do is put ourselves in a position to listen to him and rely and trust on Him. You know, Ephesians, uh, Paul writes this in chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 20. 
He says, uh, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It does not say to Richard who is able to do all that we can ask or imagine. You know, referring to God, it says to him, the God who is able to do whatever he wants to accomplish and more than anything that we can imagine according to his power that is in us. You know, Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8 says that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be his witnesses. And so every believer, if they're, if you're a Christ follower, if you've committed your life to Christ, you might not have the gift of evangelism, but you have a faith story. And God says that his spirit will enter into you and through your life, through your testimony, you'll have the opportunity to be his witnesses. You know, in Matthew, in chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus talks about the fact that, hey, don't do this on your own. Take my yoke upon you, and I'll make your burden light. And so there's some of us, we get so wrapped up in the day, we feel burdened. It's because we're trying to do things on our own. And we need to step back and say, okay, God, I'm going to make myself available for you. I want to listen for what you have for me. And I'm going to trust you with what you're calling me to do. God does not call you to do something that you can do on your own. He leads, you follow. If you want to clarify God's purpose for your life, you need to begin by being in a position to listen to God. You need to uh, rely on God's leading. And then third, um, you need to be rooted in God's Word. We need to be rooted in God's Word. You know what I've learned after being a believer for 18 years? Everybody has an opinion. <laughs> if you don't think everybody has an opinion, then just go ask somebody. Everyone has an opinion. You know, it's just, uh, you know, when it comes to our purpose for our lives, you know, people <laughs> try to speak into our lives. If you want to know what Richard's purpose is for your life, let me know after the service. I'll give you some stuff. You know, in a sense, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got a thought about what we should be doing. But if you want to know God's purpose for your life, who should you ask that to? God, right? Wasn't a trick question. <laughs> if we want to know God's purpose for our life, we have to ask Him. And so prayer is our talking to God. We talk to God through prayer. We do that really well. But we need to listen to God as we read His Word and let it sink into our lives and let it change and transform us so we can accomplish what He wants to accomplish in our lives. Listen to what God tells Ezekiel in chapter 3, verse 1. This is on your outline. He said to Ezekiel, Son of man, Eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. And so now, is God talking about Ezekiel eating this scroll? Does God want Ezekiel to take this piece of parchment and cram it up and start ripping it up and putting it in his mouth and eating it? No, it's not what he's talking about there. He's not talking about filling his belly up with parchment with paper. Eating is reading on. It's meditating on. It's thinking about. It's memorizing. It's looking at and reflecting on it and talking about how to apply it to your life. And when you do that, you get clarity. And it is satisfying and it is sweet as honey in our mouths. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, 
for correcting and training up in righteousness so that the man of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so God's plan for us is, is written in his word. And as we read it and we meditate on it and we reflect on it, God gives us clarity and purpose and calling. And so if you want to know more about the world's purpose for your life, all you have to do is look around. The world is pretty good about trying to tell us what we need to be doing. Television is pretty good about telling us what we should be buying. And so do they care about your spiritual life at work? Yeah, probably not. You know, do they care about the spiritual life and the spiritual growth and the development of your kids at school? Yeah, probably not. You know, 18 years ago, I found God's purpose for my life in a relationship with him when I became a Christ follower. And so we commit our lives to Christ. We get clarity about what God wants us to do, and our minds begin to be transformed. And, and so we become a believer, and God begins this journey in us, but there's a, there's a sense that we need to be continually trying to clarify what God wants. You know, 17 years ago, I found God's purpose for my life, and I left my career, and I went into ministry. You see, I wasn't looking for a job as a pastor. It wasn't like I thought, hey, what else can I do? I'm tired of this. Let me go get a job as a pastor. <laughs> You know, I think some people think that that's the way this works, that, you know, hey, here's a church, here's a pastor, uh, church pays his salary, and so it's just his job, right? That's the way the world thinks about what a pastoral position is. But it's not. It is a calling. My story was started on June 1996 at 2 a.m. in the morning. I was laying, I had just become a believer. I've been a believer for a year. I've been reading my Bible, and, uh, you know, I... God had begun this great work in me, and so I'm really just starting to enjoy the, the beginning of my relationship with Christ. And I never forget, I was walking with the kids one day. We were down on Navy Pier, and uh, we were walking out and uh, doing the Ferris wheel thing and yada, 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 and the crowds were just packed. And as I was walking through, I had both kids, both my little ones that are graduating, I had both my kids, had their hands, and I was walking by and just kind of tooling along. There was a guy coming at me. He was black hair. He was dressed in goth. He had chains on. It was black from head to toe, boots black beard, just really, you know, uh, a guy that would make you want to just kind of maybe grab your kids a little closer. And on the front of his shirt, had a big red heart, big red heart. It said, I love Satan. I looked at that, and I'm a new believer, and so I'm thinking about, you know, getting involved in men's ministry, you know, we're talking about guard your, you know, Ephesians 6, and putting on our armor and guard yourself, and so... I'm, all this is kind of floating, and so I'm walking. I'm watching this guy walk from me, and I, I kid you not, he got here about right, you know, about where that speaker was, and uh, he was look, he looked at me because I'm like I'm like this, right? <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> I'm like I'm not believing what I'm seeing here. And he looks over at me, and he kind of smiles, and he looks down at the kids, and he looks back up, and he looks at me, and he walks by me, and I am in shock, and I turned around, and that guy was walking through the crowd, and nobody. Nobody was watching him like I was. I don't think anybody noticed him. And I thought, that's the world we live in. Satan could be standing right in front of somebody and they would not even know it. Who's doing something about this? My first kind of epiphany was the fact that I became a believer and I didn't know any other believers. My second epiphany was is that we come and go on Sunday morning. And we're trying to equip people to be you know, effective in the world. And we're not even noticing. That could have been Satan himself standing there, and nobody noticed. And I looked around at our church, and I was thinking, okay, I'm involved in men's ministry. And I started thinking, what about the church when I grew up? 
I started talking to my other friends about the story. I was sharing this story with other people, and they were like, eh. And so then I started looking around, and some of the other people I were talking to, I thought, there's not a lot of churches doing anything about this. I mean, there's a lot of churches where people kind of come in, they sing, they clap, they have a great message, they go home, and there is no life transformation, and they don't see this going on. I thought, we have got to do something about this. And so I got involved in church planting. <laughs> and so I'm a missionary. You know, we're intentional about going into communities that need to hear the good news about Christ and about reaching people for Christ, investing in them, equipping them, and sending them out. We're a church planting group. We want to multiply believers. We want to encourage them in their faith. We want to get them involved in a small group. We want them to grow. And then we want to multiply small groups so that other people can get connected and enjoy the fellowship of what happens on Sunday morning, but grow in their faith and be rooted in small groups. And then we want to equip them. We want to turn them out into the world to be effective in reaching our community for Christ. We want to build passionate followers of Christ at Springbrook. And so whether there's 500, 600, 1,000, the Lord adds to our number daily those that are being saved. You know, in one sense, uh, what's important is what you measure. So we need, to, we need to keep track of that. So I don't want to overemphasize the size. But when we talk about having people commit to being a part of what God wants to do at Springbrook, when we talk about getting involved in small groups, when we talk about growth and birthing and hosting and serving in ministry and reaching our community for Christ, this is what we're talking about is making a difference with our life. And so you think about God's purpose for you. If you're a mom this morning, you know, my wife told me when we went into ministry, my purpose was raising those kids. That's my purpose. And so if I fail there, the rest of this doesn't matter. It's you and God first. And then it's you and your spouse second. And then it's you and your family third. And then you serve in ministry. You're effective in your community and ultimately the end of the world. But if you and God aren't right, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, your family's not going to work and function the way it should be. And so we need to kind of grow together and encourage one another and equip each other to accomplish those things. And so this morning, as you think about your purpose for your life, you know, maybe your kids are growing, maybe you've got kids, maybe you're thinking about getting married. You know, I was talking to Ben Belton, and Ben was sharing some stuff with me in our college young adult group uh, last week, is uh, wanting to go to Gordon Theological uh, Seminary and take some online classes. And God just, he's just really having a sense of God calling him to something more. I thought, man, that is fantastic. That's great, man. God is at work in the life of a young man. I was sitting in Jim and Julie Baker's small group last week, and we were, it was, uh, it was just the four of us, and we were uh, kind of sitting around, my wife and I, and we were just talking about small group life, and I was listening to them talk about how important that time has been for them. Now, as I was listening to them talk, I thought, you know, a year ago they weren't leading a group. You know, nine months ago they weren't quite sure if they were doing it. And then I was sitting there listening to this couple going, oh, man, I love group life. Man, God is at work. I love to hear the stories of where God is at work. He's changing lives. He's saving marriages. People are making faith commitments. And it's so much fun to be around what God wants to do in and through us together as a church family. I can't think of anything I would rather do than be a part of what God's doing right now in today that's going to impact eternity. It's not just the job. It's an adventure. I think somebody else is saying that. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for God's purpose in your life. If you want to, maybe you know it and you just need some clarity. Stop and get away. Stop to make yourself available for God. Be intentional about relying and trusting on Him. When He calls you to do something, it's, He's going to equip you and help you to do it. And so He's going to give you everything you need to be effective at that. And then, and then third, you need to be rooted in God's Word. Everyone's got an opinion. The Bible is where we go to know what's true. That is so freeing. 
And when I found Scripture, it was like, to me, it was sweet as honey. Because when I'm talking to somebody about something, in fact, if somebody's talking to you about something, they're saying, well, this is what I think this should do. And they don't have this in their hand, then, you know, caution. <laughs> this is the roadmap to life. And it is sweet as honey. And when you get in a sweet spot where you really have an ability to sense what God's doing and where he's leading, there is nothing better. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you as we kind of close our time together, you know, what, what are some next steps? You know, I think it's easy to hear something like that and think, okay, that was great. Now, now what do I do? And so um, put that next step slides out for me. You know, we've got a spiritual gifts class, and uh, we just finished one. The Bible says every believer has a spiritual gift for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. And so if you're a believer and you don't know your spiritual gift, I want to encourage you to sign up for that next class. We're going to be doing another class in uh, July. And so if you don't know your spiritual gift, that's part of how you know what God wants for you. God's given you a gift. You know, I think, you know, from a scriptural perspective, and we'll look at this a little bit more in the class, you know, you know, that, oh, I'd like to do that or I'd like to do that. You know, it's nice to want to do something, but how is God? God gives the gifts according to his grace. So he's given you one. So the real question is, well, what is it? And so if you don't know it, um, I want to encourage you to sign up. You can circle uh, the number one. There's a, there's a tear-off sheet on the inside of your program, so you can go ahead and tear that off. If you want to know about, more about your spiritual gifts, circle number one. We had uh, 25 guys come off of our men's uh, retreat last weekend, and I'm not kidding you. We got to the end of that. Man, God was at work and alive. And, guys, I just want to encourage you, if you missed the retreat or if uh, you're thinking you'd like to get involved and connect with some other men, we're going to be starting up some 10-week uh, stepping up um, big, courageous men, uh, small groups uh, this summer. So we're still putting together the plans for that. We've got a couple of guys that are interested in that. So uh, there's not a schedule right now, but if you want to know more about that, um, then circle the number two. And ladies, we've got some great, we've got some great small groups. I think uh, Kim Joslin has been doing a great job working with uh, our ministry to women, and uh, Catherine Hathaway is uh, one of the coordinators for our women's small groups. And so if you want to get connected with some other ladies, uh, just let us know. You can circle the number three, and we'll uh, get you connected to that. And as we head into the fall, you know, if you are interested in uh, hosting a small group. Just let, I would love to talk with you about uh, about that. We've got a barbecue coming up, so you can get connected to that. Uh, but maybe God's prompting you to do something else this morning. And so uh, whatever that is, uh, circle the number five, and then down below the board, just say, hey, God's kind of been leading me to you know, get involved in this area or do this, and uh, I'll give you a call next week, and we can process through that. Uh, love the opportunity to talk with you about that. But let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers. And so uh, as you think about this morning, Man, we just want to, we want to celebrate moms. This is a great day uh, for moms. And so uh, love on your mom. If you haven't called her yet, be sure and do that. Uh, how many guys were, nobody was surprised by Mother's Day. <laughs> well, I think everybody saw that one coming. So uh, let's love on our moms this weekend. And uh, let's celebrate their calling. God has a calling for them, so let's celebrate that. Uh, but this morning, if you're not a mom, um, God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And so let's just pray that God would continue to give us clarity as to his leading. Our is going to come up in just a moment, but first, uh, let's just, uh, would you just pray with me and let's just ask God to continue to draw our hearts closer to him. Father, I just want to thank you for, um, just for our morning. I thank you for the opportunity we've had to just kind of come together to, uh, to look at Ezekiel and uh, the call that you place on his life. I love the caption of that chapter, is Ezekiel's call. And uh, God, um, there's nothing special about Ezekiel. There's nothing special about being a pastor. God, we are all at the foot of the cross, man. We are all, we're all equal in that sense. God, you give us each different roles and responsibilities, and our callings are unique. And so, God, this morning, I pray that you just continue to clarify your call on our
our lives individually and collectively as a church. May God uh, just draw us close to yourself. We look forward to the great things you're going to do. Thank you for the gift of moms. I thank you for my mom. I thank you for the gift of motherhood. And we lift this day up to you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our ushers are going to